Ecclesiastes is quite a true and challenging book. It, it looks at the reality of life. Not the amen, hallelujah, no, the reality of what we face, what is in front of us, and how do we respond to this reality. And it is important because life is not, life today is not, we have hope for the eternal life. Yes, we know it as a Christian. We've got hope in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't take the fact away from us. Things that the teacher is exploring here, I don't know if any of us will say, no, I've never faced this or that. And this, when I'm looking at the teacher, it, it looks like he, he was a real human being that is gone through reality of life. No superficial stuff, deep stuff that any of us live and face. And he's been exploring it here. Tristan, Helen, they've done uh, a, a good job of taking us through the first few chapters, chapter 1, 2, and 3. And last week, Tristan touched the beginning of chapter 4 that was explore today. But overall, uh, if anything about what the teacher is dealing with here, I want to say that we need to look at power, possession, and popularity. Power, possession, and pop popularity. And how these would impact humans' condition. Last week, Tristan really explored the power side of things, which often come with some bad stuff, some bad evil. And the one he touched on last week, it was the oppression. And often, people with power misuse it, and at some stage, they become oppressor, and the human history shows us how people with power can behave, and we've seen it. We know much about people who have been powerful and what they've done. And don't get this wrong, it's not only those who did not know God. If you read the Bible, you will see as well that there are few people who knew God, but who still used the power to oppress other people. So it doesn't mean that because they knew God, they were allowed to oppress other people. But what we want to see is that the teacher looking to that is so that that was vanity. So today, uh, I'm going to start from verse 4 until verse 16. But again, to put into the context of what I'll talk about today, uh, uh, we will read uh, chapter 4 from 1 to 16. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. 
Again, I observed all the oppression that takes place in our world. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and the victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better than the living. And most fortunate of all are those that were never born, for they have never seen all the evil that is done in our world. And then I observed that the most, most people are motivated by success, sorry, to success by envy of their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Foolish people refuse to work and almost starve. They feel it's better to be lazy and barely survive than work hard, especially when in the long run everything is so futile. I observed yet another example of meaningless in our world. This is the case of a man who, will, who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depression, depressing. Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They can get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And on a cold night, two under the same blanket can warm each other. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. It is better to be a poor and wise youth than to be an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Such a youth could even come from prison and succeed. He might even become a king, though he was born in poverty. Everyone is eager to help such a youth, even to help him take the throne. He might become the leader of millions and be very popular, but then the next generation grows up and rejects him. So again, it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Yeah. So studying this, uh, I realized that uh, after being slightly general, now the teacher is touching some practical stuff practical stuff that we deal with as a human. So, uh, as I said, the, uh, from uh, Tristan uh, teaching last week, we noticed that there is great, great evil that occur on the earth. And often, it seems as though the wicked get away with evil. The reality is they will be judged. He told us last week, for God will render to each according to his deeds. And Tristan clearly said that that judgment, it might not what we think will be. And yet, in the meantime, oppression, evil, violence, and injustice occur. Those who are oppressed so far at the, end, at, the, at the end of the oppressors, and they are without a comforter, though they can have comfort in Christ Jesus if they know him. If God wasn't present in our suffering on earth, it would be, it would be better off for a person to be dead done a life. If God is not present, it would be better off for a person to be dead than alive. In fact, the teacher is saying without God, a person is better off never having lived because of the evil 
and vanity of life. Life is literally awful and meaningless if it is lived under the sun without the son of God. So the teacher has a great insight into the human condition. Not only is there significant evil activity, but we tend to live most of the time to impress somebody else. Competition is a hallmark of our life today. We are taught at an early age that the best is what is all about. But competition can cut both ways, sometimes with deadly result. So in Ecclesiastes 4, 4, the teacher gives us another word for what we often call competition. That's envy. When he says, all labor and all achievement have their source in envy, is using a poetic hyperbole. But his point is not less valid. Much of what goes on under the sun in Ecclesiastes 1.3 is driven by an excessive desire to outdo the other guy. We are naturally competitive with one another. Human beings perform with a view to what others do and think. We live measuring ourselves against the, what the society says is successful or good, and we live for the approval of men, rather the approval of God. Rather than be content and pursue godliness, mankind without God runs the endless treadmill of trying to please other people. Greed drives society and economics today rather than love, compassion, truth, and godliness. I will pause there. Powerfulness, possession, this leads to greed. And that's all is about today. Greedy. Greed. People are so greedy that they don't care about what's happening around them. You might not see it, but a lot of people today are impacted by how greedy not only individual but countries, powerful country can be. I can't give another example, but I'll give you one, the one I know the most, and the one that might have impacted some people you see around you 
and you just don't know. Where's the mobile phone? It's not a tricky question. Have you got a mobile phone? Yeah, if you have, just pick it up. Yeah, most of us here, we do. We do. And there is a mineral, an important mineral, that is needed to make this mobile phone. One, about 20 years ago, in the east of Congo, there was this uh, discover of a mineral extremely important for the make of mobile phone. That's Colton. You can go and check into that Colton. And it was believed that 70% of the world reserve of this Colton were in east of Congo. And you know what? It was needed. Congo doesn't make mobile phones. They don't have these facilities. And people need this Colton to make a mobile phone because today is a good income. People need it. But they wouldn't just buy it. They wouldn't just buy it so Congolese people can get something out of that. But because it was needed, a situation has been created for more than 20 years in east of Congo, where about more than 6 million people there as a result of what is happening there. Killed, children, adults, people raped because of the situation that is created on the east of Congo. And you know why? Because people want the Colton, but they wouldn't want to go directly to the Congolese government and buy it. But for them to get this cotton cheaper, army groups has been created in the east of Congo. A lot of them, countless of them, with weapons, they can do whatever they want. And this mafious organization of this group with weapons, all they do they go, they take this Colton and sell them. Again, Congo don't produce weapons. These are provided to people. And what they do together, they have to kill. And I can tell you how much massacres is going on in the east of Congo. Go and read about it. And I'm not talking about this in the past. It's still happening now. Not only that, to make the situation even worse, Congo and Rwanda are neighbors, naturally neighbors. And this country 
will always live next to each other. But these multinational, powerful people with a lot of money, they're using the neighboring runner to support some of these army groups to make this massacre in Congo. And how do we know it? For example, Rwanda, they don't produce, they don't have gold. But there is a big refinery. So this uh, is this, uh, how do you, do you call it? Uh, uh, is these facilities that help the production, uh, the transformation of gold. They've got a big one while they haven't got any gold. And for them to get gold, where it comes? From Congo. But instead of a cooperation, what they use is this mafia's uh, army group. And they go in, into villages, killing people, raping women, children. Go. These are documented. Facts are there. I'm not telling you stories. And you know what? This is greed in economy. I want what you have, regardless of the price. People can die. I don't care. As long as I have what I need to produce mobile phone. That's the human heart. That's the human condition today. That's the society today. And it is happening. So what the teacher said in the past still happening today. The teacher makes it plain that it is vanity and chasing after the wind to live constantly trying to impress and gain others' approval. It will never satisfy and never get a person where they really need to be. The competitive, the competitive urge is so ingrained in most of us that our immediate reaction may be, so what are we expect to do? Fold our hand and quit? What the teacher is decrying is the extreme case in which envy drives a person to work until he ruins his health and his enjoyment of life, all for no good reason. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 to 8. That goes on to a single individual who lives independently, has no children or brothers. He has all the time in the world to himself, and he chooses to spend it laboring, earning up for himself. The teacher sees this as a vanity because he was never satisfied with his labor or his money. He never asked himself, 
what the purpose of was to all his work. He wasn't doing it for the benefit of others. And he never even bothered to consider that benefit. Some people keep laboring to stay busy. This caught me up when I thought about Friday. To keep busy and occupy or to prove something to themselves or to others. Yet, they miss out on pleasure and most importantly, the pleasure that comes from knowing God. Psalm 16, 11 says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasure forevermore. It is a real trap and grievous task to keep busy working for no purpose and for only selfish gain. However, I must say this, as the teacher said, the the cure of envy is not sloth. The picture of the lazy fool in Ecclesiastes 4-5 is a graphic. Literally, he eats his own flesh, meaning he destroys himself, wasting away because he won't work. If a person, a person decides just to sit around, not work, and be lazy, he will hunger and die. Only fool is lazy while on the earth. So, it is no better to sit and do nothing than it is to chase the approval of others. Both are vanity. Yet, things consider, uh, yet all things considered, resting some and working in some, working some is a better bet than constantly laboring in vain. Of course, the best thing is to rest some and work some, doing each for the glory of God. Colossians 3, 23 says this, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than man. When we follow God's respite and example of work, we will include an element of Sabbath, rest. Remember, Tristan spoke about it, I think, a few months ago. Sabbath and rest is important in our daily life. If the only goal is beating rivals, we won't allow ourselves some rest. If we become addicted to work, then we will forget to enjoy it. And there is nothing better than for a man to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. Ecclesiastes 2.24 Many people feel empty because they see others as competitors to be beaten rather than as companion to be embraced. 
It isn't easy in this condition to make friends. That's why we must also strive for companionship. The picture, the teacher picture in Ecclesiastes 7 to 8 is the sad one. A successful person alone with his money, yet his loneliness and frustration drives him even harder. A person like that needs help. That's why those who strive for success must also strive for cessation, knowing when enough is enough. Rather than be selfish and isolated, there is a benefit to living life in fellowship with others. This is true in marriage, in church, in family, even in society. When we live supporting each other, we can help each other in time of need. We can be there to encourage one another and to care for each other. There will be time when all of us will need help. And it is wise and, wise and beneficial to have others whom we can lean upon. It is dangerous, difficult, and sorrowful place to be when only ourselves, when we have only ourselves to rely upon, especially if we don't rely upon God. Two is better than one because two have more strength, more flexibility, more security, and more comfort. It is easy to break a cord of one strand. Two strands are better because the extra strength, the extra strength makes the first one stronger and harder to destroy. A cord of three strands is even stronger. This is speak to the benefit of having other to support our life. It is good to have one friend or spouse, but it is even greater to have even more one than one person we can rely on. But most importantly, we can always rely upon God, who is always faithful. Lamentation 3.23. So, to put these things together, in Ecclesiastes 4.1-3, the teacher bemoans the evil oppression that perverts the world and suffering it causes. In verse 4, it gets us at the reason beyond this sad situation. That is greed. Notice, it is not just a personal desire, desire when, we come, when it comes to greed, but what matters is wanting what somebody else has. 
at its extreme, greed causes oppression at very least, though it results in meaningless labor. That's Ecclesiastes 4.6. The image of the end in Ecclesiastes 4.5-6 provides a gripping mental picture. To fold our hands and rest will be laziness. But to take only what we need, no, but to grab everything within our reach will be greedy. The best thing is to take only what we need without seeking something more. This brings peace and satisfaction. Verse 7, verse 7 to 8 point to a good test of satisfaction. Is there anyone to enjoy life with? A life of envying one's neighbor only promotes alienation and loneliness. The questions that the teacher asks are remarkably probing. For whom am I doing all of this? Ecclesiastes 4, 8. Myself will be quite an empty answer. And the teacher cannot find a good motivation for such an existence. The teacher shows us how our outlook on life involves more than just ourselves. So, this is a good time to search out our life for any sign of greed. This is the interpolation that the teacher is putting toward you and me. Is everything in life all about you, me, myself, and me? That's the question the teacher is putting out here. Is it all about our church? Is it all about my family? Even within my family, is it all about me? Or we, we have some outlook to how others can benefit from what I'm providing. Does the statement in Ecclesiastes 4, 4, I see all toy and all skill in war come from man's envy of his neighbor. If that statement apply to any part of our life. Let's always ask ourselves the question from Ecclesiastes 4, 8. For whom am I toiling? We all need to make a concerted effort today to turn the focus of our attitude outward. Work to serve others and share the love of Christ. Our lives are interconnected and dependent on community. In God's plan for humanity, 
men's uh, women are not meant to be or to live alone. Do you know someone who's lonely or who lives alone? Please pay a visit. Write a note. Make a phone call to that person. Lend a helping hand or a listening ear to someone in need of companionship. We are designed by God to live in community with others, not to compete with each other. You don't know how a smile or a warm word can change the direction of somebody's day. As you can see, power, possession, popularity can lead to some horrible things. And they are until today. The teacher is highlighting this to all of us just to say, if our life is concentrated only on us, without looking around us, without companionship. If our life is tried by competition, by rivality, rivality, we need to remember that all of these are vanity. But the consequences are there. Oppression, suffering, they are there today. And we still asking ourselves, and for some of us, especially us, Christians, we might be asking ourselves, why? Why Jesus is not just coming back to do justice? Maybe we do. And I know we do. Because we know there will be that day when Jesus will come back as a king to make justice. We do ask ourselves, that question. Why is he not just coming back? We've seen enough. We do. But the answer to that question this morning, maybe, why is he waiting? Maybe he's waiting for you and me. Are we ready? He may be waiting for you and for me. Because remember, he's the God of love. And his justice surely will be compassion and love. Yes, he's taking long. Maybe he's taking long for you and me to respond to his call. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. And we ask you to help us in our desire to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.